Welcome to Alternative Dog Moms Podcast. I'm Kimberly Gautier, the creator of Keep the Tail Wagging. For the past nine years, I've been blogging about raw feeding, pet wellness, and life as a crazy dog mom. I've seen massive improvements in my dog's health since I started raising my dogs naturally, and I'm passionate about sharing my experience to help other pet parents. I'm Erin Scott. For the past nine years, I've been researching and learning everything I can about healing cancer, allergies, autoimmune, and mystery illnesses in both my dogs and myself, and I can't wait to share with you everything I've learned on this journey. As the Alternative Dog Moms, we're bringing you all the latest dog health news that we're following and sharing the tips, tricks, and resources we learn along the way. Now, let's get started. Hello, Kimberly. Hello, Erin. How's it going? Oh, it's going. (laughs) It's been a couple days over here. We've had kitchen floods. We've had cars in the shop. (laughs) Oh, no. But uh, everything's under control now. At least the dogs are good. That's all that matters. (laughs) That's that's what it comes down to. In my town, um, uh, mechanics are like there's long wait lists like at mm. least a month for mechanics. Oh wow. Because parts are slow and and it's just like a, insane. I had an appointment that I missed because if I don't add it to my calendar it's not going to happen. <laughs> and I did not add it to my calendar. I thought I did and I was like I feel like I was supposed to do something yesterday and so I called and they're like, "Yep." And I'm like, "Well, can you get me in next week?" And they're like, "Next month." And I'm oh, like, wow. "Okay, next month then." So, yeah. Oof. We haven't had that problem yet, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that um, baby formula is low in stock and being rationed right now. And so I'm just like, good gravy. I, did, I saw that too. And they might, yeah, like start rationing people. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, like the toilet paper. It's toilet paper all over again. <laughs> I mean, it's just like good gravy. I mean, every time I think everything's over or at least winding down, something else pops up. So I feel like we're going to be feeling the reverberations of all of this for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still just unbelievable. (laughs) It's just so funny. So I wanted to talk to you about um, the law of attraction. And uh, so this weekend, Scout got sick and he would not eat his food, which is completely unlike him. And I was panicked, like completely went absolutely to the basement with my energy, was freaked out, convinced that my dog is, this is the beginning of the end. Because when Sydney was diagnosed with cancer and she stopped eating, she just went downhill fast. And I was just like, oh no, this is not what I want. And I was so freaked out and I just lost the um, ability to be a critical thinker. And and I had to like basically take a break from myself until I can put myself <laughs> together. And so I, t- I, I was going to write a big, long blog post about it, but I'm kind of feeling lazy. But ultimately, you know, Scout's fine. And, you know, he just, he had a bad reaction. Well, it's, he had a typical reaction to the chemo. It's just that for him, he's never had any type of, what's it called, uh, really harsh side effects. So he had chemo on Friday. He was fine on Saturday, but that's because they gave him this anti-nausea drug with the chemo. And so that had worn off. So by Sunday, he wasn't feeling well. And so I put down his food and he was just like, like, nope, I'm not eating this. And so I tried different things and he wasn't eating anything. And then finally he wanted to, you know, 
he wanted to go outside. So I figured, oh, well, maybe he has to use the bathroom. But he went outside and just vomited whatever he did. And then he was just like not feeling well. And I made a really bad mistake. I put digestive enzymes in his next meal thinking that if that pre-digested the food, it would be easier on his stomach. But it it was actually the opposite. And it made him bloat up pretty badly. And I had to go, I got, well, I have activated charcoal, but I went and got Pepsid AC and I gave him both of those. Um, And so it took uh, about 16 hours, probably, actually, probably more like 20, 24 hours for him to like, right now he's back to normal. That's good. And he's, he's, you know, he was outside swimming and playing and being, you know, jumping up at me to grab a treat and being his normal silly self. I mean, he was fine, you know, he wasn't fine, but he was playful and stuff if I engaged with him, but mostly he was just kind of out of it, but it was just like, it caught me so off guard. And one thing I hate is like, I know that if my energy is dark, then his energy is going to be dark and it's going to stress him out if I'm stressing out. So I had to really work on turning things around. So I, one, you know, practice gratitude. So I started thinking about all the good things that were going on, started thinking about what I wanted to see. And there's a quote that I love where it it says, like, focus on what you love, not on what you don't love. So I'm sitting here with my thoughts, just thinking about all the things I love. And so instead of being stressed out about the fact that my dog has cancer, I'm excited about the fact that my dog is living with cancer and doing so well. So changing my whole mindset. And it took like hours because, you know, when you're in a dark place, it's, you can't just, you know, snap yourself into joy. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> if it's hours. I think that's impressive. I mean, yeah. you know, there's times where I've had it for days or weeks or months, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's- probably like, you know, age, I don't know, 25 to 30. <laughs> well, it's hard. And it's like, I think the only reason why I was able to, to um, just snap myself out of it was because I had a game plan. So, I mean, I had already called a holistic vet to see if she could see him go over his, like my protocol and and make suggestions on what I could do for him. And I have a call into his oncologist tomorrow so we can go over our game plan going forward. So just knowing that there was going to be an other side and then also understanding that this was this is a side effect of the chemo. Right. They do send home the nausea drug. So I gave him one. I've just never had to use it in the past. I think I've only had to use it once in the past year. And so I gave him the anti-nausea drugs and we now have Pepsid AC on, on hand in case something happens again. But again, he did just perfectly fine. My biggest worry was just like, cause he would smell his food. Cause he now associated his food with why he was vomiting. So if there is now, when he looks at his food, he sniffs around to see if I put anything in it and then he'll, he'll eat. And so it's just sort of like, that means that like all the Chinese herbs that I was adding to his food, he won't eat, but that's okay. Because I just switched him to a new supplement. And so I don't have to use the Chinese herbs, you know, or maybe if he, if he um, forgets about them and I can slowly sneak them back in later on, but I'm using this new different supplement that he thinks is a treat. And I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I really should have checked it. It's in the fridge, but there are little capsules and we'll put a link to the website 
in the notes, but it's basically, we can buy it ourselves, but it is a veterinarian strength supplement. So I, it was recommended to me by a veterinarian because uh, I was I was calling all kinds of holistic veterinarians last week. And so she made that recommendation and, and I read up on it and has really great reviews by pet parents. So he's doing that and he loves it, thinks it's a treat. And, um, and then he was just, he was getting better. And so knowing that he was getting better and knowing that, you know, he is a strong dog, he is a healthy dog. And now today, you know, he wanted to eat, but I wouldn't let him eat until tonight. So he had to have a liquid diet all day. But yeah, it was, it was rough. And I pulled out my, my old, I don't have it here. I was looking around to see if I had it. I don't have it, but my prey rain journal and started journaling again. Um, Have you ever heard of that? The prey rain journal? No. Okay. This is fun. Okay. So hopefully I get this right. So the story goes that there is a man. um, I think it comes from like native American lore, but a man was, it was, they were going through a drought and they needed rain. So what he did, and I don't, I'm sure I'm saying this wrong, but basically he said that you have to pray for rain. And it's not like, you know, get on your knees, pray to God for rain. You actually have to act as if it's raining. So you think about what it feels like when it rains, what it smells like, when it rains, what do you do when it rains? And, you know, and so he would, you know, you dance and, and, you know, jump in, make splashes in mud puddles and, and you do all these things and you really feel this sense of it raining. And then suddenly it started raining and the drought was over. So when you journal, and it's similar to gratitude journaling, but they call it a pray rain journal where you write twice a day in the morning when you write, when you get up and then before you go to bed, you write twice a day and you talk about your day. And it could be anything that you want, that you want in your life. And you really focus on the details. I mean, you don't have to go into it, but as you're writing and thinking about it, treat it as if you are actually journaling about your life and what's going on. So instead of journaling that Scout got sick today and da, 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 I would journal like, oh my God, Scout's so healthy. It's so amazing how well he's doing and, and just going on that route. And so getting back into that I believe that it works. I understand that other people don't, but the biggest thing for me is that it, it gets me out of my dark place because I can't hold positivity and negativity in the same space. Right. So it's pulling me out of negative and putting me into the positive and it makes it a lot easier for me to deal with. Well, I think that's what's important at the end of the day. It's whatever you need to do for, for yourself. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's like so many things I want to say. So, you know, first, like, it's just so hard with the dogs, right? Because they can't tell us, oh, I feel nauseous. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of a guessing game of like, okay, like, what's going on? Something's wrong. <laughs> like, what is it? What can I narrow down? What can I try? What could be causing the first? You should be glad you figured out what it was. And then, yeah. you know, you have a plan. But yeah, I know that spiral also of like, something's wrong with my dog like and then yeah yeah, and then you just kind of spiral and you know I had a little bit of a spiral myself yesterday just because like we had all these things going on around the house and it was probably maybe for like an hour (laughs) you know and I was able to kind of pull myself out of it and I feel like that's a muscle too that you have to like be able to like first recognize in yourself Mm -hmm. like oh, I'm doing that thing, you know, yeah. I got to stop this, you know, yeah. and then sometimes it's like, 
that just hits pause, you know, <laughs> of like, okay, I'm not going getting any worse, but I haven't yeah. gotten any better yet. You know, exactly. and like, I gotta have a plan and I gotta have action steps, or at least that's how it works for me mm-hmm. too. But yeah, but I like this idea of writing about act as if and, and mm-hmm. that whole, that whole idea. Um, I, it looks different for everybody, but I really like that, that exercise that you're describing. Yeah. Right? It's like, cause some people meditate. I've just never been able to meditate because my brain I have to be physically doing something to get my brain to focus on it. When I'm meditating, like within seconds, I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of a grocery list. I'm thinking of all the stuff that I need to do. I'm thinking of something. So I don't really meditate. And I know that it takes practice, but it's just not something that I've been able to do. I do, um, and this is probably going to sound pathetic, but I do 17 seconds every morning. It's another practice similar to the Pray Rain Journal, but with the 17 seconds, you just focus on one thing that you want for 17 seconds and you just block everything out and you create a picture of what that one thing would look like if that was your reality. Like for instance, if you want to win the lottery, what would what would your life look like? Not so much the act of winning the lottery, but what would that change into your life? What would what would your would you be living in a new house? Okay, what type of house and where it where would it be? How would you furnish the house? You know, it's just like getting into whole details about it. You know, I do that in the morning too. I usually do that just to start my day in a good mood because I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I'm lucky because at least when I get up, I don't have to talk to anybody because Johan's off to work and I work from home. But um, it is a good way to get the day started. And and I think I already said of the focus on what you love and not on what you don't love. So it's just sort of like every single time. I mean, because it's like, we can't always control our thoughts. I think that a lot of times when people are new to law of attraction or just something in that realm, they try to stop all negative thoughts. And it's so stressful and so impossible. So instead, I look at a negative thought as a, like a, hey, Kimberly, and turn it around. So if, like, for instance, if I'm, instead of thinking, oh my God, I feel so sick today, I would turn that around because, you know, I'm never that sick. Gosh, <laughs> you know, and and just say, gosh, I can't believe I haven't been sick in so long. And got, you know, and little things like that, just sort of changing the narrative a little bit, just to get yourself into the habit of thinking a better story for yourself. So I actually do meditation, but I went and learned a very specific type of meditation that's called transcendental meditation. And it's like a little weird because you have to go to a place. This I did this before COVID. And you meet with like a teacher and they assign you a mantra. And so it's like one word. And I think it's in like like Sanskrit or like it's not a word that you like, you know, you would recognize <laughs> or, you know, in English or anything. And then you just concentrate on that mantra in your mind just over and over again. And so I find that that helps with like the, the random thoughts. thoughts. Yeah, because yeah. I have something to concentrate on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do it 20 minutes twice a day. So I'm super religious about always doing it first thing when I get up. Sometimes I'm hit and miss with doing it the second time in the day, depending on what's going on and schedules and you know things. But I love doing it. I can't say anything specific, of, you know, like I know it has done X, Y, Z for me, but I'll mm-hmm. just say like, I know 
like I'm an I'm a better person mentally and emotionally <laughs> since I started doing it and yeah. like I want to continue doing it. Yeah. And occasionally I have gone through I went through a like, really bad I don't like I can't even tell you like why or anything. I just went through like a really like I just felt really crappy for like 2 months last year. I like didn't I couldn't like get anything done. And I like had even stopped meditating during that time. And like I was and, and that was one of the first things I started when I was kind of like, all right, you know, at first I'm like, all right, you're sliding backwards, you know, okay, it's a week, it's a weekend, you know, all right. And then, you know, finally it's like, you got to have a little self-intervention of like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> and like, so that was like one of the things that was like easy for me to start, like getting myself back on the right track again. Um, so I, I love doing this practice. Um, that was one of the things when I, when I, became the cancer survivor. I turned 40. That was kind of, I, that all happened in the same week. And that was like my birthday present to myself. My 40th birthday present was, I want, I've always wanted to learn this meditation. I've he I hear people talk about it, like Jerry Seinfeld and I don't know, people do it. And I'm like, I want to go learn this. So I, I did. And, and I definitely credit that with helping me get through COVID and, you know, just like, not that I had it, but just like the yeah. time period, you know? Um, Big fan of that. <laughs> of this I think it's I think it's important because I you know I think often we spend so much time talking about our dogs and like what to feed our dogs you know how often to train our dogs what training tools are okay to use with our dogs can you have plastic is it from China I mean it's just so everything is about dogs 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 we don't often talk about ourselves and what self care we have as we're living this life with dogs, especially when they get sick or they're older, yes. you know, yes. and it's like one of those where it's so easy. And I see people doing it all the time. And I know I've done it too in the past is where it's so easy to go to the negative. It's just sort of like, I, I don't follow people or pages that do rescue stories mm. because they always start the story off as low and as dark as possible. So we can have that really cool payoff in the end of now right. look at him. He's so happy. But I honestly think that it is unhealthy to allow yourself to feel that darkness, even for a short time. And I will just say, I don't like when rescues or shelters make up a backstory. Mm -hmm. um, to, cause to me, it seems like phony. Um, like sometimes we know that these are the actual facts and I'm yeah. fine with sharing the facts as they are, but I don't like the, like, intentionally kind of made up ones yeah so yeah I, I i'm also very careful about following that because again my heart is always with rescue and with shelters but yeah i i'm very um i have to yeah edit my social media intake yeah. with that kind of stuff i mean it's just it's one of those where it's like you know i i get it and, and, you know, sort of like talking to someone, because that's another thing that a lot of times when you meet pet parents and like, if you're walking and, and I actually stop and talk to someone, which <laughs> doesn't happen very often, but it has happened in the past and people start talking about their dogs. Someone always wants to tell their sad story. And I used to sit there and tolerate it. Uh, but now, you know, I, I think it's like one of those where the past two years have really made me ballsy. And in a, I think in a good way, but now I, you know, the last person that tried to tell me their dog's sad story, I just said, you know what? The past is a past. Let's talk about what your dog is doing today. The dogs aren't carrying that around. Exactly. It's just like, you know, I'm not my past. 
I mean, I, I mean, God, if I were, I wouldn't be here. I mean, I was, I mean, it's like all, I mean, if I really dwelled on who I was as I was changing and growing and the things I experienced and I, I mean, I didn't have a bad life, but you know, I would be miserable. So it's just like, I, I would prefer to talk about what's going on now or what do you do for your dogs? And there's a, a guy I follow on YouTube and Facebook um, and he, the dog is Sherpa. It's a, I think a Malamute Husky mix. And I love the dog is I think 10 years old now. And I love watching his little adventures with his dog. And he takes his dog, like his dog had to have surgery to have a sty removed. And so before the surgery, he took the dog on a trip to the, this town that he used to live in that has a six mile beach. So and he let his dog just run along the beach and there, you know, and it was just like, I love this guy. He makes me so happy because that to me is what I want to see. That's the story I want to see is someone who loves their dog so much and is doing all these wonderful things with their dog. That is exciting and fun to me. I don't need to hear the sad story of, you know, I just don't need to hear it. And I know that there are other people who, who love that to me, to them, that's inspiring. But for me, it's just like, no. And I think it's just important to know what we like and don't like, and it's okay to hide things that don't make us feel good. You know, (laughs) like I've had to, um, you know, especially around, you know, politics and, you know, like hide, unfollow, you know, snooze for 30 days, like all those kinds of things, because yeah, that's not what I want in my life. I don't want to carry that stuff around. I don't know if I said this last week, but I had to give up my Real Housewives. Oh. Yeah. I love the Real Housewives. I The only city that I never watched or cities as I never watched Miami and I never watched DC, which I think was only one season. But I, I mean, like my, I love my Housewives. And I would, I would, I would save them all up for a few weeks and then just sit and binge all the episodes, (laughs) which is even worse than watching it once a week. But after this past year, it was so dark because of politics and COVID and coming out of that, it's still so dark because I'm just sort of like, would I go to a job? I mean, maybe I would, if I got paid like a million (laughs) dollars. But it's like these people are going to a job and they're being so mean to each other. And it's not even real half the time because they're creating a storyline that we, the viewers, want to see. And it's like, what does that say about me (laughs) that I'm like, you know, um, I don't know what you would call it, but it's just sort of like, you know, I'm sitting here watching this dark you know, women just destroying each other and being so mean and horrible and awful to each other. And in some cases, I I don't know if the women are um, being real, like if if it's just for for the cameras or if they actually have some type of mental health issues, because it's like, are they Amber Herds in training? <laughs> exactly. Where I'm just sort of like, this is not okay. So I, I stopped watching them and I thought I would go through a withdrawal but um, I'm it. It was sort of like opening a window to sunshine. I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably a bit much, but it. I don't miss it at all. And I, you know, like I stopped following podcasts that talked about it, and all of that. I cleared out my podcast and cleared out my DVR, and I don't watch them anymore. And I I only watch programs that 
I get a kick out of. And if that means I end up watching, you know, Vampire Diaries or Scandal or Grey's Anatomy over and over and over again, that is fine because I like them, you know, and, and that's what I decided to do. It's like, I think that I've always been doing some level of this over the years, but because of the world that we're in today, it's so hard. I was finding it harder and harder to get out of bed in the morning and I didn't feel depressed but something was obviously off and I didn't notice it until I, until Scout got sick. And then I, I was basically thrown into a, you better fix this now because you cannot be freaking out all weekend. And cause even Johan was like, wow, you went dark so fast. He was like, I can feel your energy. And I was just like, I'm so sorry, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, you get worried, you get scared. I mean, and the veterinarian, I, I told you before we started, um, the veterinarian that was going to see scout cause I was going to switch to a holistic vet, um, canceled just now. And, if I had still been in this weekend's energy, that would have thrown me right back into another spiral. But after the work I've been doing over the past couple of days, to me, it's a sign that that wasn't the right direction to go. And so I have gratitude for her taking the time to cancel like right now, rather than Monday or whatever. Or yeah, having to pay the point, you know, pay the money and then be like, Oh, can't help you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's basically what she said. She was like, I'm not sure if I can help you or not, you know, and I don't want to waste your money. And I was just like, that's perfectly okay. And, um, and so we'll do something different. And, you know, thankfully his oncologist is really good. And so I'm going to call her tomorrow and just share my concerns and we're going to change his protocol. And that's, that's that. But yeah, it's just like, uh, I'm hoping that anyone listening to us, because I saw so many people on social media when I posted about, you know, just the idea of law of attraction, who were struggling so hard and were like, yeah, I would love to learn more about that. And one person was actually, um, my dog is in the emergency vet right now. So I need something. And, and I, my heart broke because one thing that I know is, I mean, and there are people who are just very good at monitoring their energy, but sometimes like for instance, with Sydney, it was so out of the blue. It was such devastating news. There was no finding the positive. Right. It was just a free fall, right? Yeah. And it wasn't until months later when Scout was diagnosed with cancer that I actually was able to appreciate that experience with Sydney because I knew exactly what to do. I wasn't, I wasn't as freaked out as I probably would have been. And it was a much easier cancer. Well, for Scout, you know, it was a easier experience to go through. He's still doing great. Um, 16 months post-diagnosis. Amazing. Yeah. He's lived longer than his veterinarian said. So, I mean, this is pretty astounding. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I think when, especially when you have a dog with a, that's having like a chronic long-term health issue, dog mom self-care needs to be talked about more, especially yeah. to the people who are listening to this, who are the, you know, crazy dog moms, the dog helpers, <laughs> people who spend their time looking into all this. And I'm, I th- can think back, we had about a year and a half period from 2014 to 2015, where both we lost both of our dogs and they both had cancer. And, you know, I'm just like, sometimes I just look back and I'm like, I don't even know how I made it through that time period. I mean, we like, 
everything just went out the window. Like we were just eating like takeout every night. You know, we weren't able to walk them because they were both sick and, you know, we weren't getting any movement or exercise because mm-hmm. that, that's like our main activity, you know, and I'm just like, I was such a mess during that time. And I think back to, cause that was before I was kind of aware of like this whole idea of like your energy and anything mm-hmm. with like law of attraction or personal development work that was not on my radar yet. Uh, it was just trying to keep them healthy and well for as long as I could mm-hmm. and just the stress. And, you know, I'd, I'd be up all night and I was like screwing up at work cause I wasn't sleeping and, you know, like it, I was like a train wreck during that time. <laughs> And, you know, and I just think like how many other people are going through this right now? And, and, you know, that's something even like we had a mini crisis with Penny. I mean, it was a crisis at the time, but it wasn't like a, I thought like the end was near kind of crisis, but you know, it was like, I tried to keep on top of like doing all of my self-care, going to acupuncture, doing the things that I do for, for myself. Cause you know, sometimes if like there's a financial crush, that's the first thing to go out the window, right. Is like yes. my self-care stuff that I do. And, you know, and I'm like, I've got to be able to keep taking care of myself. Cause I can't take mm. care of them if I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not going to be making the best decisions for them if I'm not in a good place to be able to make these decisions. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, been a big lesson that I've had to learn the hard way as I have learned most lessons. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's one of those things where I think that, you know, I, we all, are doing our best and when they're puppies or young and cute and everything's fun, and and stuff we forget that there is a flip side to it right but it's just like one thing that I learned from Sydney and I made this decision you know and and I reminded myself about this this weekend is that if this is the end then I'm gonna make it the best end possible so he gets to eat whatever he wants to eat he gets to go and do whatever he wants to do we're gonna have we're gonna have the best time ever and yeah it'll be sad and it's these are things that are easy to say when you're not facing the crisis when it's kind of behind you or off to the side but it's so important to repeat these things of you know my dog is healthy he's 16 months post-diagnosis he is this is he's beaten all the, what people predicted for him. And he's doing really good. He's been, you know, raw fed and minimally vaccinated since he was six weeks old. And, you know, he is very well exercised and he wants to exercise and he wants to eat. And I'm grateful for all of those things. And, you know, and it's, it turned around this weekend. I was able to figure out what was going on and correct it. And those are the type of things that I try to just focus on rather than focusing on the cancer. So I wish I had it handy. And I think I do somewhere because I was um, reading up on just law of attraction and watching videos and stuff just to refresh because I wanted to talk about this, but I also wanted to write an article about it. And it said that there are three steps to do. Like if you get bad news that can get you through it. And so the first thing is to make peace with it. So yeah, it sucks that my dog has cancer, but 50% of dogs get cancer. My dog is a senior dog. Um, He is, I keep saying it, 16 months post-diagnosis. He's doing really good. But instead of me 
being stressed out or worried about the cancer diagnosis. In my situation, I choose to look at my dog as he's living with cancer rather than he has cancer or he's going to die from cancer. He's living with cancer. And not everyone has the the space, I guess, to say that, you know, because I hear from people all the time whose dog was diagnosed with canine lymphoma and it's not good. It's, you know, it's, it looks like, you know, this is, they have to say goodbye to their dog. And it's so very sad to say, so they're not really in a place where they can just accept it. You know, maybe if they were a master, you know, um, at their energy, they could, but, you know, it's a little hard, but with that step of just accept it and make peace with it, I started with little things. So if, for instance, Apollo will not stop go, trying to go to the neighbor's house. And I've made peace with it. He is a husky <laughs> mix. He loves to roam. He thinks this entire area is his. He's curious. And so when we go outside and we're not in their yard, I have to keep an eye on him. I can't be looking at my phone or, you know, I, I have to focus on it because that is going to happen and accepting it and and, you know, making peace with it makes it so that I'm not stressed out when he leaves the property. He left the property today and I just went and got him and brought him back. And it was the end of that. Um, the second step is ignore it as much as possible. And this is something that I struggled with because it's just sort of like, you know, how can you ignore it when it's right there? Yeah. And so I look at it more as watch the energy that you put towards it. So I can't ignore the fact that, you know, Rodrigo has arthritis or that Scout has cancer or that Zoe is a senior dog. All of those are just facts that are happening, but I can control how I respond to it. So instead of breaking down in tears every time I see Scout because he has cancer, again, he's a dog living with cancer and I focus on the wins that we're having. And leave it at that. You know, I don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't worry about what happened yesterday. I focus on what's happening right now. And right now he's doing great and just leave it at that. But yeah, that step is a little harder for me. It's easy with the small things, but when it's a big thing, it's kind of hard to do, especially right away. I have to very much work at it. Yeah. And then the last step is, um, well, they called it some something else, and I can't remember what they called it, but I called it, um, I changed the name of it to Don't Worry, Be Happy. I can't, I, I wish I did remember what they said, because then I can explain why I changed it, because I didn't like how they worded it, because I felt like it was too, cons- like, compact, I guess, and it was just one of those things where that's not reasonable, it's not possible, but don't worry, be happy is something that I can get my head around. And it basically just, instead of me constantly worrying about the fact that my dog has cancer or my dog has arthritis or whatever the case may be, again, I accept it and I'm not dwelling on it. And I'm just going to focus on being happy and focus on like, you know, going outside and playing with the dogs, going for a walk and having a good time, you know, celebrating a solid poop, you know, just little (laughs) things like that, where it's just like, I'm just going to be happy with my dogs and not worry about it. I mean, because the worry will come at some point in time, but it doesn't have to be right now. And, you know, right now, you know, like this weekend, dogs get sick, dogs vomit, dogs decide not to eat because they're not feeling so great. None of those things means that he's dying tomorrow. 
It just means that he's not feeling so hot. And I spent part of my day and how probably how I was able to get myself out of the spiral so quickly was to remind myself of the last time I felt sick. Right. And it's like, and I wasn't dying. It's temporary. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I wasn't dying. I wasn't worried that I was going to die. I was just, I wasn't feeling well and I let it work through my body. And that's what I did for my dog. And now he's great today. It's funny because I'm thinking of like when I got a cancer diagnosis and like how I was able to do or not do those things for myself, you know, Um, because it was pretty dark for about like at least a good month um, before I could like move into like action, you Mm -hmm. know, and then it was like, all right, like this is what it is. I have accepted this you know, now we got to put a plan in place. Yeah. And then, you know, I spent a couple of weeks like getting a plan in place. Like I'm going to keep my hair. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to do holistic stuff on top of the conventional stuff. Like I'm going to work with these practitioners. Okay. Like this is my like bulletproof plan of like how we're going to get through everything that could, you know, possibly come my way. And like, And that, I don't know if everybody does that, but like, I don't know, it's some sort of feeling of control over the situation is like, I have it, I have it handled now and now Mm -hmm. I can execute the plan. (laughs) Yeah. And then just tell myself like that this is temporary. Like I have to do six cycles of chemo, you know, and I can get through this period of time and I'm going to look back on this. And like, it was a lot, it's a big mental game of, of, of going through The thing about is, I I have thought about that this weekend about if it were happening to me, if I would be able to do this and it has to have a, I mean, wow, it's gotta be tough because I mean, with a dog, you know, in our, in the back of our head, we know that there's a a time limit on our time with our dogs. And we know that it's way earlier than what we want. Right. So in the back of our heads, we have already accepted that we are going to lose our dog. It's just the how that we haven't gotten to. So it feels a little easier to be able to just take a beat and then shift over to a positive space. I don't know how I would be able to do that if it were me. Um, I I think it would take some time to really get into a good space. I have a, a friend who has been documenting. I have two friends who have documented their cancer journeys on social media, and I very much appreciated it because you got to see what it is like what it's really like rather than, you know, like the Grey's Anatomy version of it. And, and seeing that they have good days and they have bad days and that, yeah, it does suck. And it's sometimes it's work for them to be positive, yeah. but you know, they do try to be positive. And I think it's so important that people share all of those types of experiences because it does, it catches you so off guard. I mean, I can't speak to me having cancer, but just, the cancer diagnosis with Sydney, um, I remember standing on a street corner just bawling because I was so shocked and just like, but I'm a raw feeder. <laughs> and I'm just like so absolutely caught off guard. But I think it was just like one of those. And I I put way too much thought into things, but it makes me feel good if I have a story. But I always tell myself that Sydney took the bullet for everybody else. So that I could have that experience, because I, I honestly think dogs are are here to help us be better humans, and to learn. You know, we're, they're always teaching mm-hmm. us, 
And, you know, like you said, with the statistics of dogs, you know, getting cancer, I mean, it's going to happen to somebody soon, you know, happen to you sooner or later with one of your dogs, Yeah, you know, whether it's now or, you know, some point in the future or, or what have you. And yeah, it's I like, I'm, I'm glad with what we went through with, with Lucy and Kalua, and they both, you know, they had very different, like, they have very different cancers. They have very different, like with Lucy, we knew and she hung in there for like over a year and a half. And, you know, we went through such a roller coaster. And then with Kahlua, it was like, something's wrong. We can't get it figured out. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Oh, we know what it is. Bam, she's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like literally by the time we figured out what it was, we had like six weeks. Yeah. And, you know, and like, that's the one, right. Where, uh, we when it was the end, we didn't realize that it was the end. We thought she was going to come back, and then we like probably should have gotten her to the emergency vet sooner than we did. And you know, and we had a lot of like guilt and yeah, you know, that we should have made different decisions. And um, that's the worst part is the guilt where you start second guessing every single thing you yes. do. I I hear from that from a lot of people because most of the people that reach out to me who received a cancer diagnosis, this is their first venue into raw feeding, into anything like that. So they're looking back at their history. And, you know, that's why I, I'm not a fan of some of the groups because not in, not any group in particular. So it's not like a raw feeding group or um, cancer group, but just Facebook groups in, in general, because all it takes is that one person to say something to you like, well, if you had been feeding raw, or if you had been doing this, and I don't know what's going on through their head as they type this and hit, you know, post, but um, for the person on the receiving end, that's like planting a seed that's going to grow and they're going to be dwelling on that and stressing about that until they eventually break out of it. But it's just sort of like, we, we know what we know. Either that or they're just going to be like, screw you, screw this group, <laughs> screw everything. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, it's not a, certainly not a helpful, you know, <laughs> comment. Yeah, I've seen that in groups where it's just like, no, this is not okay to say that to someone because it's like they're already going through something. I mean, I always thought that, you know, when it comes to our dogs, when they get sick and when they die, like that's when we're all on equal ground because that's an experience that we've all had and we know what it's like. And I mean, because when you see someone post it, you know, that they had to say goodbye to their dog. There's like 300 comments of people like, I am so sorry because we all know. And I think that with some people, I truly don't believe that when they type something out, they're trying to be nasty, even though it feels that way. I just think that for the people out there that are very um, straight to the point, it translates as assholery yes. when it's typed out on social media. Especially, yeah, when you have no context mm-hmm. or no, or like you don't know this person, you don't have yeah. an established relationship to know how they are. Yeah. I remember I used to, I actually had blocked her. I ended up blocking her because I couldn't take her straightforwardness anymore. She was, she was being mean to everyone or it felt like she was being mean to everyone, but she would just come out with these like blanket statements about people's dogs. And it's just like, and I would tell her, you can't possibly know that. It's like, you really need to start asking people more questions before you diagnose their dog. You're not a veterinarian. And I just finally just got fed up 
and just blocked her and removed her from all of my socials because it was just too much. But I don't think she was a mean person. I just think that she just says what she says. And I mean, if someone's in a good space, you know, they can probably take it. But the problem is, is how do you even know if someone's in a good space or not? Like, you know, we never know what somebody else is dealing with or what they're bringing to the table emotionally from a lifetime. My husband and I have been talking about some of that recently and just, you know, like difficult people that you encounter like at work and, you know, trouble communicating with people and people who react to things at like a 10. Yeah. You think it should be like a two, yeah. you know, and, and it's like, oh, this reaction is really out of whack with the situation. And Uh, We were like literally just having that conversation before I came in here. (laughs) I actually had that experience at my job where someone took a situation that should have been a one and a half and turned it into a 15. Yeah, I mean, and it was horrible. And um, I was furious. And I think as a human being, you know, you, there's a moment where you just want the person to pay, like to suffer a little bit, like whether, even if it's just like, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You just want them to feel bad about what they did. But I thought about it and was like, do I even care? Like, cause I was talking to my mom and she asked me, did she ever apologize to you? And I was like, no, but I don't really care. Cause her apologizing to me doesn't make it not happen. And it won't make me trust her again. It's like she behaved horribly and she tried to get, well, she wasn't actively trying to get me fired, but she used words that had I, maybe it had been a different company. I may have lost my job because she made these accusations that weren't, were untrue. Thankfully I had proof to back it up and she was having a very, very, very bad day. And I chose to let it go and to forgive her for my own peace of mind, right? not for hers. And right. It's like, we don't need to have a conversation. We don't need to hash it out. And I sort of feel like just the past couple years, and it's still going on, stuff is always going on. I don't know where everyone is. And it's one of those where Yes, she was very stressed out at work. We all are. It's, you know, tax season. So we're all very stressed out at work. However, um, I feel like there's an added level of stress for many of us with everything that's going on in the world and in our country. And you don't know how people are going to respond or react with that. Like this is unprecedented for many of us. And so I kind of feel like even though her behavior was atrocious, I want to give her a pass because we're all struggling and it's so much energy to hold on to that grudge. It's just like, I I don't deserve to do that to myself. So I decided to just let it go. But it is like, I was watching uh, uh, someone's live earlier today and I just felt so sad for the person because they were upset and crying about something that they did. You know, it's sort of like you're in this position because of the choices that you made. And that's why you're here. But, you know, from their point of view, you know, they probably feel either that what they did wasn't that bad, or maybe they feel that they're super in the right, they're on the right side of history right now. And so they just don't understand why they're being treated this way. So it's like if she was legitimately crying, you know, I felt sad for her because it's just like, 
oh, damn, your day sucks right now. <laughs> My day's doing pretty good. This isn't the woman that like broke her boyfriend out of prison, right? <laughs> there was someone who broke her boyfriend out of prison. Oh yeah. Oh my god. The guard woman who like she was like a prison guard and she broke her boyfriend out of I don't know, she was like had a relationship with one of the prisoners and they escaped and I need to go look that up. That is just like the worst. That is the worst. What I'm so obsessed right now. You know, thank you, Johnny Depp. I'm so obsessed with narcissism right now. And I am like educate like there's these videos about the worst things that you could say to a narcissist or the best way to shut a narcissist down. Or here's these three different types of narcissists and how they compare to each other. And I'm just like, wow, has all this content been on YouTube this whole time? And it's it's because I don't know what I was watching, but YouTube was like, Kimberly, let me show you some stuff about narcissism. I'm like, okay. <laughs> And so I've been watching all these videos and, you know, and of course, you know, because of the algorithm, it just keeps recommending more and more. Exactly. So I'm like watching like a little bit of true crime stuff. There was a, a video. It's, it's not even worth going into, but it's just kind of sad for these people. But after watching, like it was basically a week of me watching these videos, um, I've came to the conclusion that you know, I used to think that a narcissist was kind of like a celebrity, like Kim Kardashian, I would consider a narcissist. They were someone who is very much into their appearance. And that's what I thought narcissism was. I mean, I understood that there was a clinical definition of it and all of that, but it's just not something I ever really thought about. But now I know very much different. <laughs> and I realize that People who are narcissists, the ones who are committing these atrocious crimes or just stupid crimes and stuff, they actually think that they're doing the right thing. I mean, they really like, and you know, how they respond and react to people, that's their communication style. It to them, they only know that they're doing something wrong by the feedback that they get from the people around them. And even then it's hard for them to accept that they're wrong because they're narcissists. So they'll just change things up until they get the response that they need and which makes them, you know, manipulative and, and all of those type of things. But uh, it's just, it's hard. And <laughs> we just went way off track, but, but I'm like, so just fascinated by the, the idea I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful that I have dogs because I honestly wonder if I didn't have dogs, like what type of person would I be? Because it's because of my dogs that I have been focused, you know, and committed to working on my mental health. And it's because of my dogs that, you know, I really, you know, think about like I've learned that I don't know everything. <laughs> oh, my God. And, you know, and. I ask more questions and I do more research and I try to, you know, educate myself and see things from different points of view because every dog is different. Um, But I think that if I didn't have dogs, I mean, maybe eventually I'd get here, but I don't know. So maybe these people just need to have dogs. (laughs) I, I think that's a good idea. (laughs) But I, like, I agree 
like I never had dogs growing up or anything. I I always say I was a reluctant dog owner because it was totally Tim's idea to have a dog. He wanted a dog. I just kind of was like, I don't know about this, but okay. I always <laughs> told him like when we bought a house, you know, we had a yard, like we could get a dog and then we bought the house and I'm kind of like, oh crap, <laughs> now we're going to get a dog. And, and he's like, I want a female brindle pit bull. And that was our Lucy. And I went on our Humane Society website right there, first page, female brindle pit bull. And then it's like, all right, I guess this is happening. And, you know, I was 25. Like, I didn't know anything about a dog. And it's literally the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Yeah. And he likes to remind me of that, too. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the one thing that keeps me sane and it keeps me going. It gets me out of bed because I have to take care of them. And because of them, I actually made changes to my own diet and lifestyle yeah. and stuff like since everyone was fasting today because Scout wasn't feeling well, I fasted today too. And, you know, because I didn't think it was polite to eat in front of them <laughs> as, as they're staring at me going, are you really not going to feed us? And it's like, sorry, guys, no. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I've changed how I shop. I have an investment account because of my dogs, <laughs> you know, because I got to save money because, you know, dogs are expensive. But um I, I love my dogs. They're pretty awesome. But it's like, yeah, it's not easy, you know, because they do. They get inside of you. I mean, I'm always astounded by people who are just sort of like, eh, you know, because it's just like, really? I like to joke with Johan about like if we were a reality TV show, we would be like the most boring show on the planet, except for people who love their dogs like I did. Because all I do is, you know, I get so distracted by them. I think they're so cute. I love cuddling with them. I'm like on the floor laying down with them. I'm, <laughs> That's boun- the best thing. I'm bouncing a ball. Like when Johan's not here, he came home early one day and it was just chaos in the house because... <laughs> I, you know, a couple of days a week, we just have a, a bark party where I'm kicking balls around and squeaking things and everyone's barking like crazy and I'm running, they're chasing me and we're doing, and it's like, like usually on rainy days just to give them something to do. And it's insane. And um, I was doing this and we were being so loud that I didn't hear the truck come. <laughs> I didn't hear the door open. The dogs didn't notice anyone coming in that all of a sudden he turns the corner and he's just standing there. And I'm like, you know, I'm at home, so <laughs> I, I don't know what I was wearing, but I can tell you it wasn't matching. <laughs> and my hair is everywhere. And I was just sort of like, oh, I was like, we're having a party. And he was like, I see. <laughs> I was like, we'll stop now. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I love them. They're amazing. Absolutely. So this this will give you like a, a good metaphor to what my life was like growing up, right? So my grandmother... <laughs> lived with us when I was growing up. She'll be 98 in a couple weeks. Um, She still lives with my parents. And she was once in the hospital a couple years ago for pneumonia. And she uh, was hospitalized. And a person came in with the, like, the service dogs, you know, that visit people. Mm-hmm. Because apparently there had been somebody in the room, like, you know, a couple, for several weeks before her that they would regularly visit. And my grandmother's like, get that dog out of there. <laughs> so that's what my childhood was like. <laughs> that's who I was raised by. <laughs> well, I was, my father was the dog lover in our family. My father and my aunt were the dog lovers. And so I grew up around dogs. My mom was kind of like 
or she was like you, a reluctant <laughs> dog owner. I was just like, I was having a dog. And one of her boyfriends got me a puppy, but someone stole it. And oh to God. this day, I swear, the person who is okay with stealing a puppy from a little girl, I bet you that person had a horrible life. I mean, because it's like, that has got to be the, I don't, I don't like to use the word. I hate using the word karma, but there's got to be a better word, but yeah, it is. It's the lowest of the low, but her boyfriend, gosh, I can't even remember his name right now. I don't remember his name, but he got me another puppy and that was Jackson Joel Stripe Morris Barnes was his name. And, uh, and so that was my puppy and my mom did not, she was furious. And now as an adult, I can understand why she's furious that someone gave me a puppy, but then I just thought she was a monster and she, you know, this is back in the eighties and she put an ad in the paper for, um, a puppies and people were calling for the puppy. And I was just laying on the ground, bawling, just crying. Cause I couldn't believe that she was going to do this. And I, I, she could, my mother could never handle me in tears. And so she finally was just like, okay, fine. And so when she, people, people would call and she would just be like, oh, the puppy found a home. And they would be like, we hear the puppy barking in the background. <laughs> <laughs> just say you decided to keep it. And she's like, I don't know what you mean. That's my neighbor's dog. And she just hang up the phone. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, I've always had, it was just a matter of how people treated dogs. So I remember back then, you know, dogs were outside on a chain and some people just had their dogs lived outside all the time. My dog did it. But, you know, I appreciate the fact that my family is so okay with how I am with dogs. Cause I took my father, how he was with dogs. And I kind of upped it on a few notches because <laughs> he was already like the dogs had the life with him. He was, he was a dog dad, but I like, I think with my, if my father were alive today, we'd probably be on the phone for hours just talking about dog stuff. So yeah, it was a big part of my life. I think that the thing that's hard for me is being around people who aren't as into dogs as I am, which is why I love living where I live. I don't want to live someplace where I have a neighbor who ignores their dog. It's like everywhere around, like my neighbor next door over here, he was outside with Elsa. Elsa is a sweet name for a mean ass dog. (laughs) Elsa, she likes some people, but she does not like my dogs. (laughs) But there's Elsa. And then my, my neighbor through the woods, I don't know the name of his dogs, but he has Dutch shepherds and they're gorgeous, just absolutely stunning dogs. And, um, is that it? I mean, I know there's other dogs in the area, but you know, I only have three neighbors and the third neighbor doesn't have a dog. She has, um, cats that hang out on her property. So that's it. She had a horse and her horse died last year. So, yeah, Johan buried it. Oh. Yeah, he, he used to have an excavator, so he went over and dug a huge, deep, deep, deep hole, and they buried our horse. Oh, wow. Yeah. Glad I wasn't there for that. Yeah, he also yeah. buried the neighbor's dog over there. Their former dog passed away. He went over there and dug a deep, deep hole and buried their dog, too. That's what he does. That's what he does. <laughs> He's only done it twice, but, you know, that's his, that's his thing. That's but, his thing. Yeah. Well, there you go. 
Well, I feel like we can't end this episode without talking about the new offerings from Green Juju. <gasps> yes. That was like the big breaking news. I'm like really excited about that because I didn't realize that all well, it's probably not all, but I didn't realize that a lot of the goat's milk that's on the market was already fermented. Yes, I didn't either. And I never thought about buying something that wasn't fermented and then adding my own probiotics to it. I'm like geekily excited about that. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, uh, uh, so last week when I was when I locked myself out of my car and locked my my keys, my wallet, and my phone, and my dog in my car. <laughs> And then so when finally got my my everyone out of the car, I drained the battery. Well, when I was going through all that drama, Billy calls me and I'm just like, I just got back in my car and I think I just killed the battery. And he was oh, just no. like, he was like, well, then I just called you at the great time. And so he was telling me about the, um, the raw goat's milk that, you know, a lot of people are kind of freaked about the idea of fermenting their own raw goat's milk, but he was just like, it's so easy to do. It's basically add in your probiotics of choice, let it sit overnight and boom, it's fermented. And it's just like he said, it's the easiest food to ferment. I can and, do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and then just sort of like the idea of adding a variety, you know, yeah, I, I, like that. I, I never thought about, I, know, I, don't, I, know. I mean, it's like, wow, it's like a whole new like door opened. And I'm just like, well, how do, how do I use this? And what can I do this for yes. with my dogs? And I'm curious, I would love to see them partner up with Animal Biome, you know, to do like kind of strains. Yeah. A mini experience where, you know, I mean, I don't know how much marketing their you know, what their marketing budget is like for either company, but it would be kind of cool if they could have like, you know, five to 10 pets and test their their microbiome and then, you know, have them, you know, maybe, I don't know if they can recommend some probiotics or different strains and have them ferment their own green juju goat's milk, have their dog on that for, I don't know how long it would take. This is amazing. And then test their microbiome a second time. Yes. I love this. I know. Wouldn't that be cool yes, just to see what the, cause I know that, you know, it's easy you know, with Animal Biome and like Glacier Peak and some of these Parsley Pet, these testing companies, sometimes it's kind of like, is this legit? And is this really going to help me? I personally found their reports and by report, I mean, Animal Biome, their reports to be really complicated, but I still think it's such a valuable tool, especially, you know, especially for, for people coming out, I have the hiccups now, for people coming out of feeding um, kibble and going to raw because I think it would be cool to like test your dog and then six months later, test the hiccups, test your dog again. But this, man, this would be so cool. Yeah. Especially yeah, with the animal biome report, you can see like what they're like low in or what they have too much of. And like, yeah. Can you give them a strain of this to bring the bad one down yeah. and to build the good one? Oh my God. I mean, oh. just that the education of it all, if they can pull it all together. And then do a webinar just explaining what it all means and what this strain does. And, and just, you know, how do we know? I mean, the thing that always concerns me about gut health and microbiome and when people start throwing those terms around too much, then, you know, the supplement industry is like, aha, right. 
right. you know, and how do we know if, you know, a probiotics that we find at, you know, health stores that it's good for our dogs, or is it just a matter of now my nose itches? Gosh, I'm having issues today. It's falling apart. <laughs> I know. Um, I wonder if, if it's as easy as like getting a yogurt that has probiotics and putting that into the the goat's milk, or are you going to go out and get capsules and open it up and put it in there? But I don't know. Yeah. I'm like so excited about being able to do these things. <laughs> I just, I know it's so funny. Cause, and I also wonder, cause so many times, and this is like another reason why I just keep my mouth shut now. And I, you know, I ask questions because I don't know, but I remember when open farm came out with their raw goat's milk, but it was fat free. And everyone was like, oh, that was the reason why we feed it is because of the fat. But thankfully, I did not come home because I saw it like at Super Zoo. I didn't come home and be like, stupid open farm. Instead, I waited to see because I knew that I was at the time I was feeding answers or um, goat's milk from a local farm. So it just wasn't something that I was going to buy. And I don't even think it was immediately available where I live. But what about dogs that are prone to pancreatitis? You know, although, you know, people mostly say that, you know, it's the cook fats that are the problems. But from what I understand, it's the cook fats that can trigger a pancreatitis attack. But some dogs are just prone to pancreatitis. And like Rodrigo, now that he's been, um, he was diagnosed with exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, I think in 2019. Mm-hmm. 2018, 2019, it doesn't matter. But he had low grade, you know, as I was reading up on it and like, why he wasn't, because I suspected that he had EPI years before he was diagnosed. But someone explained to me that he could have had just low grade pancreatitis all that time. And although it's not like he was eating a high fat meal, it would have been great information to have because maybe I would have adjusted his diet so that he didn't lose his pancreas altogether. Right. or the functioning of it. So, um, yeah, I'm really fascinated to know like just all the different levels of what we can do with the green juju goat's milk as far right. as, you know, cause it's not going to be just adding our own probiotics. There's just so many different ways that we can look at it. And I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, it's gotta be near impossible to come up with a new idea yet. Kelly and Billy are doing it like every other month. And it's because it's just like, well done. I'm really excited about the golden paste product too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I make my own golden paste, but I think it's so important to have a backup, but I've seen golden paste type products, like, Mm -hmm. well, basically things with turmeric in it. And I always wonder, is it really enough turmeric to make a difference? Um, And I sometimes suspect that it's not. I mean, I'm sure that there still are some benefits, but, you know, a lot of times the reason why we're reaching for the turmeric is because a dog has cancer or a dog has arthritis. Inflammation, yeah. Uh-huh. And so, and if it's just a tiny bit, then it's just, you know, why am I even spending money on this? But I, you know, I have such faith in Billy and Kelly that I know that they'll come up with something pretty amazing. And it's a fermented, you know, turmeric. Like that's yeah. that's definitely the only thing like that on the market. And I like this whole thing with the wild ferments. It was really cool to learn about that. I was mm-hmm. very excited about all of this. <laughs> I know. I just I I don't really understand what they mean by wild ferments. 
So what did I didn't watch the video. What did they say? Oh, instead of them adding like outside strains, mm-hmm. it's like fermented in its own. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like creating its own fermented community type of thing rather than, okay, that makes sense. Hmm. It's just all of it's so freaking fascinating. I love that they're doing it. Yeah. I love learning about all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, I just, whenever something like that comes out, it's so hard for me not to go crazy and I'm going to the store to buy everything now. Like I'm, I'm quite proud of myself because we still have cure chicken broth oh, here in my town. I'm and so I, jealous. I came this close to going and buy, I think there's at the last time I saw it at the store, there were about 30 pints. Oh, wow. And I was quite proud of myself, like 25 or 30 pints. And I did not buy them. I um, bought the last eight pints of the fish broth in my county. Oh, my God. I would if, if it had been fish broth, I would. But I actually did. I was so excited because I was buying all the fish broth. And this woman comes and she's just standing there. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, did you need to get in here? And she's like, oh, no, no, I know who you are. So I wanted to ask a question. And I was just like, oh, okay. But in my head, I was like, good, because it's all mine. It's mine. (laughs) And I'm so, so grateful for the fish broth. And actually, someone offered to send me some because there's a lot of companies that are trying to come out with some type of fish broth, whether it be fermented or not. Um, We Feed Raw has something. Uh, a woman reached out to me. She's creating something that she wants to send to me to try it out. Oh, wow. So I don't think, you know, I mean, I thought that after cure, you know, that was it. We weren't going to get fish broth ever again, but it's nice to see that because so many people were so vocal about their disappointment and how much they use it, that there are people out there that are are making it. And it, yeah. it it's not hard. I've actually heard from people who make it at home. Oh no, it just sounds really gross. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the big thing is that it smells horrendous. I mean, I, I wanted to try it. It was going to go like to the um, fish market and get some fish heads and stuff like that. And, but I was going to make it outside. But then I was just like, I really love my Instapots and they're not cheap. And my biggest fear is that now my Instapot is just going to smell like fish. Like everything I make, when I make yogurt, is going to have this fish tinge to it. So um, since I still have it, I mean, unless, you know, I somehow come across a free Instapot that I can dedicate to fish bone broth, <laughs> um, I'm going to leave it alone. I will do anything for my dogs, but I won't do that. <laughs> I think that's my line. <laughs> That's a song lyric. Yes. <laughs> Meatloaf, yes. <laughs> well, there you go. So it was great chatting with you. Yes, always a pleasure. All right, until next time. All right, see you guys later. 